Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to a serious radio live brought to you on Body Mind Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month. Discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Now, today, your host, Chrissy Blaze, will be joined by a guest who has appeared on the Theories Radio Live before, Julian Rother, who's a staff member who's just moved from the UK to the USA to work full-time at the American headquarters of the Theories Society. He's among the regular presenters of the King Yoga Experience events, as well as an experienced lecturer for over many years and they will be covering a topic that is most definitely one of the most talked about subjects latest ufo news around the world so without further ado i will hand you over to chrissy and julian well thank you very much nikki hi there a very thanks nikki julian hi chrissy a warm A warm welcome to you, Julian, and all the listeners of the Sirius Radio Live. One thing I have to ask you, Nikki, how are you surviving in London with the heat wave? Oh, well, surviving quite well, thank you very much. It is, but it is a bit of a concern, obviously, for those who are sort of uh, uh, more vulnerable to it, but it is very, very hot, so uh, we're just trying to keep in the shade and uh, drinking lots and lots and lots of water, so... It's, uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's just about bearable, just about, but you just have to keep okay. indoors. Yeah, but thanks for asking. Glad, Thank you. Yeah, glad, glad to hear you're okay. It's, it's worrying, I know, with all the uh, heat waves and fires and everything in Europe. So that's what we got to get on the news all the time. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Today we have very, yeah, right. We have a very um, exciting topic that we're going to be covering. But first of all, you may be wondering where my co-host Richard Lawrence is. He's fine and he's currently busy with important Assyria Society work, but he's also been very busy with uh, radio and TV shows lately, including the most listened to paranormal radio show in the world, uh, apart from this one of course, Coast to Coast AM, where he did a fascinating two-hour show on UFOs and the cosmic contacts of Dr. George King. But interestingly, during the show, George Nuri, the uh, host there, and Richard's been on the show several times, um, said for the first time ever that Dr. George King is way ahead of his time. And he didn't just say it once, he said it several times. Uh, Of course, we know in the Assyria Society that is true. But to hear that going out to millions, literally millions of people around the world is absolutely great. So well done for that, Richard. And as a result of that interview, he has been invited on a Californian TV show called California Haunts, I think it is. And he also has been doing a lot of shows in England, including the very popular TV show with James Whale and more. But I'd like to begin with a news flash, as often we do at Sirius Radio Live, by saying a few words about the latest positive developments in the world. Yes, there are some positive developments. And you may look at what's happening in the world news and be very depressed. Uh, Not surprisingly, we see war, we see terrorism, 
we see disasters of every kind taking place right now. But what we don't see so much of in the mainstream news are some very exciting and very positive things that are happening, one of which we're going to cover today. But one thing that certainly caught the eye and the imagination of millions of people last week were the first images from the NASA's James Webb Telescope in partnership with the uh, European and Canadian space agencies. And you will admit, I'm sure you've all seen them, these images were absolutely gorgeous and show the wonderful splendor and vastness of the universe. Everywhere you look, there are galaxies after galaxies. And apparently the very first image, which I believe was the uh, size of a grain of sand, comprised thousands of galaxies. I mean, the vastness of it all is awe-inspiring. And uh, it just reminds me so much of the, the cosmic teachings of the Assyrian society. Limitless, awe-inspiring, vast. And um, another thing that struck me uh, that in our teachings, the Master Assyrius urges us to look upwards because we spend so much time looking down or looking, as he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, looking at the sale signs in shop windows. While we have to deal with our everyday lives, that's for sure, um, we have to deal with these things, but it's also vitally important to look up to our higher selves, to the cosmos above, and to what's going on up there. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Don't, this really puts things in perspective, don't you think, Julian? Yeah, I feel exactly the same way as you do, Chrissy, and I think probably most people do. It, it's really, it, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Um, it's about as mind-boggling as things can get to think of this idea of holding a grain of sand at arm's, reach, at arm's reach, and then all of these galaxies are within that. And you'd think, how many grains of sand could you hold at arm's reach before you covered the sky? And uh, each one of them is just filled with galaxies. It's just, it's just endless uh it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible yeah and there's still debate about whether there's an intelligent life out there which is even more incredible i think <laughs> it is it's really incredible one thing i think is interesting is this is they think because of obviously the the time it takes for light to travel um they think they you know that they're able to see back billions of years this light that's reaching us from these galaxies that we're now seeing uh, it could have i've seen one article talked about it it's 13.5 billion years since that 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 light has been traveling uh from a source so we're we're really looking back into time and they talk about you know potentially looking back to see the origins of the universe i don't really see how that that sort of makes sense to me but it, it is fascinating to kind of think about it in, in, in the sense of time as well as space yeah and I think it's great that people are thinking about those things too now one thing that's also very exciting is that things are heating up globally on the UFO front uh, last month uh, Friday June the 24th was the 75th anniversary of the day when Kenneth Arnold saw uh, several UFOs near Mount Rainier and that from then on, these became known as flying saucers. So you could say that was the beginning of the, the flying saucers of modern times, although we know they've been coming to this earth for many thousands of years. Also, July the 2nd uh, was World UFO Day. So we're sort of in the middle or just around this time of, of really thinking about these topics. 
Uh, the first Flying Fool Society in 1947. After that, there were several uh, genuine contactees in the early 50s, which were later confirmed by the Cosmic Masters through Dr. King, including the well-known George Adamski and, of course, our master, His Eminence, Sir George King. And as most listeners will know, he received over 600 transmissions from the Cosmic Masters and there were many prophecies which have come true. There was one interesting one, uh, wasn't there, Julian, that we were talking about earlier, about how governments will suggest that UFOs are threats. And this is happening now, especially in the U.S. Is there anything you can tell us more about that, Julian? Yeah, I think this is, um, I think the one you're referring to is a, a, t, a transmission um, received by Dr. King in 1958 and published in uh, the Ethereum Society's journal Cosmic Voice at the time, uh, issue 16, uh, from, a, from a being we know as the pseudonym Mars Sector 6. And although it was relevant at the time, I think this prophecy is, is really going to become almost more relevant as time goes by, as it becomes more and more proven, as you say. So I'll just read a, a very a short extract here from it. Um, oh, yes. He, say, he, he says, I would w- warn you when some governments, I would warn you, though, when some governments are forced by the masses to come forward with an admission of our existence, they will try to prove to their peoples that we are unfriendly. I warn you about this before it happens so that you may be forearmed by this foreknowledge. And, yeah, we really are seeing that. We really are seeing that happening today uh, with the, in two ways, I think. Because um, what Mars Sector 6 says here is he, he says, when some governments are forced by the masses to come forward with an admission of our existence. So they will they will have to admit that UFOs exist. And we're, we're kind of starting to see that happening at the moment. And then the second part of that, of course, is that they will try, and the, the word try was in bold in this uh, in print, they will try to prove that they're unfriendly. And we're seeing that happening alongside it, unfortunately. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, I know in the USA, where we are, Julian, um, they are talking publicly about UFOs as threats. But um, the, the good thing is they're studying the topic, and I suspect, I'm absolutely sure, in their closed session uh, that they have, the story is very different. Um, just talking about the USA, uh, we'll start here, shall we? Uh, just last month, uh, continuing from discussions held last year with the Pentagon, the Congress, and, and the Ministry of Defense, one of the subcommittees of the House Committee, and it has a massive House Intelligence Committee, which has a massive long name, which I don't even begin to remember what it was, but they, they conducted public hearings on more than 140 sightings by military pirate pilots over the last 20 years of what they call, are now calling UAPs, uh, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, which to me, Julian, I don't know if you agree, they're just trying to distance themselves from the UFO movement, I'm sure, by giving them another yeah. name, uh, because it's all the same, <laughs> whatever you call them. UFOs, flying saucers, UAPs, okay. They like UAPs, so that's fine. So they, they have uh, been reported to fly in all manner of inexplicable to our science ways, of bobbing and weaving and hovering and uh, 
changing direction with, with head-snapping speed that uh, would produce deadly G-forces to any living being, any, I want to say any uh, human being inside. Uh, so it's a lot of fantastic things are going on, and they are studying them. And also some of the America's best astrophysicists are taking it seriously, and NASA's launching a real-time study into the whole subject. But one thing I've noticed that the U.S. government doesn't like to use the word extraterrestrial, certainly, as I say, not to the public. Uh, but again, probably they do in their closed sessions. Is there anything else? I'm, I've just sort of skimmed the surface about what's going on here, but I know that you've been studying it as well, Julian, so perhaps you could uh, fill us in on anything else that's happening now. Yeah, well, you mentioned um, NASA there. I think that's very interesting. Um, um, NASA, of course, now has a guy called Bill Nelson uh, who's heading it. He's a former senator, and he's also a former astronaut. He spent six days in orbit really? of Earth on, on the Columbia, the space shuttle. And there's many, I think it was in the 80s. But he, so he's kind of got experience in space. And as we know, astronauts, uh, you know, by and large, tend to be quite sort of affected at quite a deep level by the experience of getting up into space, as you'd imagine. Uh, you know, travel, the, the, the old saying, travel broadens the mind. Well, if you kind of travel into space, it must be very, um, very broadening of the mind. So Bill Nelson is now heading NASA, and he has spoken to some of these Navy pilots uh, who have seen UFOs, and, you know, he's spoken to them person to person, and he, he's coming out and saying that he, he believes that they really saw something genuine. He's, he's backing them. And it's fantastic to have someone in such a position as him um, believing that, and not only believing that, but actually having the courage to come out and, you know, put his head on the line, put his reputation on the line and say this. So uh, I don't know if it was him, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was him who's uh, sort of point nudging NASA in the direction of the study that you mentioned uh, that they're going to do to kind of review the current literature out there about UFOs or UAPs. Um, I have seen that the budget for this study is only $100,000, which is not much in mm, terms of nothing. doing a, a, a big study of UFOs, but I have also heard them say that it's, it's preliminary as well. So I think that's, uh, I think that's a very um, positive sign. Another thing um, that I think is very interesting in, on the US front is that... Um, as you mentioned, this report came out and, and there's, there's some really interesting moves happening. But one thing that's happening now is there, again, it's one of these reports that has a very long name I might get wrong, but uh, essentially it's legislation <laughs> about the Defence Act expenditure for next year. And there's an amendment that has been now passed, I think it was just last week, by the House of Representatives here, and that's one step in a lot in a, in a process, but nevertheless it's progressing. And this is essentially to include whistleblower type immunity for people coming forward from the military, from the government uh, agencies with information about UFOs. And mm -hmm. it's going to, so, it, so you know, some people may feel that they have this information, uh, but they May feel, protect, uh, may, may feel restrained because they've signed these kind of non-disclosure secrecy type of agreements uh, 
So right. they feel that they they can't come forward with this information because they'll be, you know, they'll be prosecuted and could be imprisoned and, and so on for breaking these these um, the the laws that they are bound by. But this legislation will two things. It will firstly it will um, remove those and say that they they do have the freedom to come forward with information about UFOs. But secondly, it will actually compel them to do so. It'll say if you have this information, mm. you must come forward with it. So that's wow. uh, really quite extraordinary. And if you think about some of these reports, uh, you hear, uh, you know, sightings of UFOs around uh, aircraft carriers uh, and you know Navy jets and things, and you hear stories of them being seen daily uh, for, for long periods of time. And if you think of it, an aircraft carrier has around 5,000 people on it. So if you've got one or two people coming forward talking about a UFO sightings, there's, there must be a lot of other people that heard that story, that saw things, uh, just inevitably because you've got so many people in the same space. So if, if we get these whistleblower immunities, potentially we're going to have uh, the floodgates open and a lot more information coming through. Well, that is very interesting. Thank you, Julian. Now, we're going to have a whistle-stop tour around the world here. So, um, going on to Canada, I don't know too much about Canada, except that they are cooperating with the U.S., that's all I know. Um, other countries seem a little bolder in some ways, and not so intent in talking about the threat factor, as we hear in the U.S. Uh, Brazil, I know, the Brazilian Senate held a special session on UFO Day, or Flying Saucer Day, I should say, June the 24th. Um, it was apparently a lengthy hearing in which Luis Elizondo gave a video presentation, but I'm not sure if it's ever aired. Do you happen to know that, Julian? Was I, I, I was trying to get to the bottom of that as well. There was yeah. surprisingly little information out there about it, but yeah. it's, I, I'm not sure it was actually, unfortunately, because um, he's got a lot of insights into yeah. all of that. He's an interesting figure. He was a counterintelligence agent who worked for the Pentagon for about 10 years, I think, until 2017, where he was in charge of a program investigating military reports of UFOs. And he resigned, though, because of the excessive secrecy and other reasons. Um, I know he distributed to the press three declassified videos made by pilots from U.S. Navy aircraft carriers. You were just talking about aircraft carriers. Um, but I think he got into trouble for that, even though they were declassified. But now he speaks very openly about UFOs, and um, he, he admitted that the American people know, uh, know a small portion of what he and his colleagues in the Pentagon have, have been privy to, which I'm sure we do. Um, but interestingly, his, he, he and his team believe they're closer to understanding the physics of UFO technology. Um, and he is helping to get the news out about UFOs, that's for sure. And he does regard them as real and everything like that, but he admits he doesn't know why they're coming, um, which is a big question, why. And uh, another wonderful thing about the cosmic teachings of the Assyrian Society is they take as much, well, they do explain to us why flying saucers are here, why they're coming um, to help mankind in various ways, to teach, but more importantly, to help the goddess on which we live, breathe, and have our being the Mother Earth. Um, so the, the why, the big question why, Julian, I'm throwing that one over to you, right? 
<laughs> well, it is a big question. It's the biggest question of all. And I mean, really, it, um, in terms of issues that are important to our society, our civilization, there's not much more um, a significant an issue than another uh, sort of culture, another uh, life form from outside of our world com- communicating with us. So it's it's just so it's it's clearly obvious that there are forces at work trying to prevent this information from being uh, disseminated and made known to the public, and that's exactly what the cosmic masters have said. But they they do want to help us, and they have helped us uh, really for literally millions of years. Um, and in the past, as we know from the, the teachings of the Zero Society, they've had much closer communication with us in time, the times of Atlantis and Lemuria, for example. Um, there was a much greater uh, communication. But, of course, you know, humanity is uh, a very stubborn, uh, stubborn race and we're very resistant to evolving. Uh, and so we, we we're sort of backward enough that we keep making the same mistakes. So they can only work with us as much as we can, as they as they're able by the law of karma. But they uh, care about us. They have a great love and compassion for us, and they've been trying uh, to the best to to every way possible to help us uh, as we evolve. And as you say, the Mother Earth that we are uh, having complete disregard for in the way that our civilization acts. They have a great love for her, and of course she is, is moving through her evolution as well, and uh, the, the vibrations of all life upon Earth are quickening, and we're, we're heading towards a new age, and so they want to help this new age transition smoothly, and uh, they're trying to help us by giving us spiritual teaching by telling us the, the very best things that we can do which is very simple we just need to turn back to the the spiritual teachings that they've been giving us throughout the ages their emissaries jesus buddha krishna and and many others and yeah that they're, they're, they're doing all they can uh, it's really up to us now to uh, to act i mean some people often ask for a sign from the cosmic from from UFOs uh, or extraterrestrials give us a sign, but they really want us to give them a sign, the sign that we are uh, maturing as a race and ready to uh, to take them seriously and 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 take responsibility and stand on our own two feet. Um, I'm not sure if that's a very good answer. It's a bit of a rambling one, but it is a very big question, isn't it? Well, it's a big question, but it wasn't really fair to throw that at you. No, that was a good answer. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so just a few words now about my own home country, Britain, uh, and their approach to UFOs. Um, despite the fact that the British government is quiet on this important front, as far as I know, uh, the famous astronaut, British astronaut Colonel Tim Peake, who's, I think, a bit of a household name in England, as he was the first uh, Britain to perform a spacewalk, uh, and Peak, when he was asked in the media about the amount of discussion unfolding on UFOs, said it was a good thing, and that the hundreds of, of sightings he had seen um, filmed by the military could be aliens, and he even suggested that um, 
the uh, intelligence is that man, the UFOs, are time travelers, or perhaps they are robotic, robotic craft sent to Earth by extraterrestrials, which I have to admit raised a few eyebrows in the more conservative circles, but is certainly, we would say, in the Ethereum Society, closer to the truth. And I, have, I heard, actually, a fantastic, about a fantastic survey that took place on, by Newsweek that this is incredible, Julian. One third of the British public have seen a UFO, with 58% of those reporting them to the police. So, wow, that's amazing. Police must be busy. Uh, 45% admit they thought UFOs and aliens existed for as long as they um, they, they can remember, and 23% describe themselves as true believers of extraterrestrial life. That's amazing, isn't it? Going back to um, people reporting their sightings, there, there was a time in the, I believe it was the late 80s, when we had a UFO hotline in London, and it, it was so busy, we virtually had to close it down with sighting after sighting after sighting, people reporting these intriguing sightings that uh, there was just not the time to, to deal with them. <laughs> so it, it's true that many, many people have sightings and many people report them too so isn't yeah the, the British, i'm sorry <laughs> no i was just going to agree with you on that i mean what struck me about that interview with tim peak was how uh, the the subject was actually you know it was treated with i mean it was just treated as another subject on the news it, it wasn't kind of treated as a kind of ridicule corner of the news uh it, it was treated uh, as just another subject and tim peak himself Again, he, you know, very credible guy, um, you know, respected, uh, you know, and yet he was quite prepared. He could have deferred and, and, and just sort of said some kind of non-committal answer um, to the question that he was asked there, but he chose to come forward and actually engage in the subject the way he did. And I thought it was fantastic to see someone like that doing that because so, so many people are not, brave enough to come forward and talk about these things in that, in that way. And you mentioned the, the UK government. Um, they are, you know, very dull on this subject, I have to say. I mean, they just tend to say things like, well, you know, if there's any... I mean, that Baroness Goldie the, uh, was asked a question about this um, in May, and she just said something to the effect of, well, we take all threats seriously, all credible threats seriously, um, but, you know, just didn't engage in it. And that was being asked about whether they would, were interested in this information that the, U, that the U.S. has. So, yeah, it's just great when people come forward and talk about it in a serious, serious way. It helps remove the stigma for everyone. Yeah, and I, I know we can't take full credit for this, but I do, I do believe that the Ethereum Society has quite a bit to do with the public interest in UFOs because, you know, we've been promoting the topic, and Richard Lawrence has definitely been spearheading this. He's known as the UFO guru in England, nonstop virtually for decades. And so it has gone out to, you know, millions of households. And, I, you know, we know from our teaching, Julian, that, as you mentioned, referred to earlier, if we take that one step towards them, then they're able karmically to take a step towards us. So the more we do this, the more we talk about them, the more we research them seriously, um, then the more they can do, you know, appear to us and work with us and cooperate with us as they are doing 
<laughs> so yeah, um, and that's right. And yeah. in that message from Mars Sector Six that I referred to, he said when he, he literally said that he said something to the effect of when well he said when uh, once you start to do this in earnest, you may count upon our help. It will be forthcoming. And uh, I know that's something that Richard Lawrence has, has said to me on several occasions that he finds whenever he really gets, you know, a bit of a campaign momentum going on this, uh, things just start to happen. Um, you know, that, you know, sightings appear in the media and stuff. And, and, and so I'm sure, I, I mean, I've only been in, interested in this, you know, uh, relatively recently compared to, you know, Richard and yourself and going back to the master himself who's just started doing this in, in the 50s when it was really, yeah. really out there kind of a thing <laughs> yeah. to do. And uh, so the Ethereum Society certainly has played a role in this. Yeah, exactly. Now we're coming up to the break, believe it or not. Time flies, right? But I, before we do, I'd like to say a few words about France. I don't know too much about what's going on in France, except, interestingly, they are the only country now in Europe that still has its own UFO unit or department, which consists of four staff and about a dozen volunteers who get their expenses paid to go out uh, on site and look into UFO sightings. So that's, that's one good thing. Anything else that you are aware of and what's happening in France? No, I'm not, I'm not really, but I, I agree that's fantastic that they still have that office in place. Yeah, long may it last and grow. I'm sure it will. Uh, so we're going to have to take a break now and uh, hand over to Nikki Wood, our producer, and then we'll come back by covering, uh, well, some of the rest of the world. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much, Chrissy and Julian, for updating us all on this intriguing topic. It really is fascinating. You are listening to A Serious Radio Live with hosts Chrissy Blaze and her guest Julian Rosser talking about the latest UFO news around the world. We, fortunately, we still have a few more days of the magnificent energies pouring down from that shining temple we know as Satellite Number 3, during which all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by 3,000 times. Regrettably, it will be leaving orbit of our world at 12 midnight GMT on August the 5th. So please, please do feel welcome to join with us in our special service to mark the last hour of the second spiritual push for 2022, um, which will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in Los Angeles. And to tune in, just follow the link on Aetherius.org stroke online services. It really is a lovely service. So let us all make the most of such wonderful energies in these remaining days. And as always, we have our regular online services uh, held during this period uh, to which you're very w w warmly welcome to join in to help flood our world with much needed spiritual energy and details are on org. Now we have an exciting event here in the UK coming up this Saturday, July the 23rd, our pilgrimage to Holston Down in North Devon. This year, we will be making history by dedicating our annual pilgrimage to this mountain, and it will be dedicated to the six adepts. 
This is the first time we have made these cosmic saviors the major focus of a pilgrimage. So rather than directing our energies towards the betterment of humanity, we will send out praise, appreciation, thankfulness, and a blessing to the adepts as a karmic manipulation on behalf of our world. So for more details, please contact us on pilgrimage, that singular pilgrimage, at Ethereus.co.uk. And more details for other upcoming events, as always, please visit Ethereus.org. For the next Ethereus Radio Live on August 16th, Richard will be back and joining Chrissy for yet another exciting show and wait for it. This is entitled Service Leads to Kundalini Heaven. Wow. So that's it for now. And I'm, I will, I'm pleased to hand you back to Chrissy and Julian. Thank you, Nikki. That pilgrimage is going to be absolutely fantastic. You know, that's one thing I know, I'm sure that Julian and I <laughs> definitely miss all the many pilgrimages in England. And I tell you, if you're listening and you live in England, you have to come to go to one of the pilgrimages or more because they're addictive. They're amazing. Aren't they? <laughs> Fantastic, Christy. Fantastic. Yeah, really, it's fantastic. So the next country that we're going to uh, delve into, well, not delve too deeply, but is the country of China. And there has been a really revealing report out of China, which indicates that the country has this massive alien hunting telescope. Now, I've read that it's called FAST, FAST, but I think it has another name, Julia. I think you have another name for it, too. I, I saw it referred to as Sky Eye, but I, I think it, the fast um, may be, um, it, yeah, no, I, it's probably got multiple names, I think. It would be a Chinese yeah. name trans, translated, so mine, yes, the Sky exactly. Eye might be its kind of nickname. Right. Well, this massive alien hunting telescope has detected curious signals, which they say may have come from extraterrestrials. Here they are using that word again, which many countries don't. And this was disclosed originally in an article by the state-run uh, magazine called Science and Technology Daily. And they stated openly in the article that they had detected several cases of possible technological traces and extraterrestrial civilizations from outside the Earth. And the scientists who oversees this uh, telescope fast Peng Bo declared quite boldly that the signals they're investigating are likely to have come from extraterrestrials. So um, Julian mentioned to me that this was closed down. Is that, is that right? What happened about that article? Hello? Sorry, you can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, a uh, very interesting story that, that they came out and, and, and said this, but then I think it was the next day or the day after, uh, it was basically shot down by various uh, various sources saying that it was, because um, it's a radio telescope uh, and it was most likely radio signals, uh, Earth-based radio signals. And so um, there's, there's two possible um, scenarios here. One is that is true. And the other is that that is not true and that this is just really just uh, 
clear or, or quite blatant example of um, censorship of this type of information. And I, what I think is interesting is this is a radio telescope. Uh, and if we go back to uh, one of Dr. King's books, You Are Responsible, uh, one of his first books, um, there's a very interesting question and answer session in there with the Master Aetherius in which he talks about uh, them, the cosmic masters, communicating with Earth scientists through radio receiving stations, you know, early versions of this one that you've talked about, and, um, you know, yeah, communicating through, through to these. So, so Master Aetherius has said, this is happening. They are sending signals to radio telescopes. So I think when we see this happening in China, um, given what the master theories have said, uh, it just seems very suspicious to me. Yes. You know, this is a massive alien hunting telescope, so I'm sure they're not going to make mistakes like that, you know. Um, and it, as I say, it was, wouldn't have been disclosed in an article by the state-run magazine unless they were absolutely sure about it. I'm, you know. So this, this is what happens. Things come out into the public, and then they get shut down. But things are improving. So that, that's a good thing that it came out. Um, now, Russia, that's interesting about Russia. It's an interesting country, even though all we think about Russia right, right now is that they're at war. But there are still exciting things happening in this big country uh, and have been for decades uh, on the paranormal front. Russia is one country that's been very open regarding uh, UFOs and the paranormal, especially since Glasnost, and that was, remember it well, 1985, um, President Gorbachev uh, was the president at the time, and they were suddenly very open about the topic of UFOs, and that was a time when Richard and I and Christopher Perry actually were working on um, promoting the topic through radio and so on. And as one example, I have to, I have to just tell you this, because it was so amazing. We saw this little article in the press about um, an experience that happened in a place called Voronezh, which was just outside Moscow, where um, a craft landed at a bus stop, and beings got out and they dematerialized and rematerialized one of the people at the bus stop, right? Dematerialized and rematerialized and they left behind a rock. So there's a tiny, tiny little thing in the papers and we used to scour the papers for things like this. And so I got on the phone to um, TASS, the journalist at TASS, the Russian uh, news agency, right? And they were very, very open about it. And they said, oh, yes, this happened. And they left behind a rock, and they're in laboratories now being testing the rock. So I said, you know, can I get back on the phone? So back on the phone, and it was still very open. They hadn't found out yet what it was. Um, but eventually, it was completely closed down. You couldn't get anything out of them. So as I said, even with Glasnost, there was still a limit. But that was fascinating that this piece of rock left behind was not of this earth, so it must still be, you know, being probably studied in Russia somewhere. Um, oh, wow, that's a, yeah, that's an absolutely fascinating story, and that's another example of, of things, yeah, things sort of creeping out and then um, getting shut down, and if I just go back to that, um, that, that uh, book, You Are Responsible, in that, part of, as part of that question and answer, um, the Master Aetherius 
uh, specifies certain country, the governments of certain countries um, saying that they know about things. He says the American, Australian, New Zealand, Indian, Russian and British governments all know of a couple of satellites that uh, were in orbit of Earth at that time. So he's saying Russia there, and he says New Zealand, which as a New Zealander, I was quite disappointed to see New Zealand's name in there. Um, but, yeah, it, that doesn't mention China, but um, maybe China wasn't aware of it at that time. Who, who knows? But, uh, yeah, so, again, the Master of Theories is just confirming that these governments do know about these things, and they're not, they're not revealing it. So, but every now and then things sort of slip out. They can't. They can't keep a perfect um, lid on everything. So, it is good that yeah. the odd thing slips out every now and then. Yeah, and even uh, recently, the head of the Russian space agency, Dmitry Rogozin, I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly, uh, recently shared his thoughts on UFOs, um, including the possibility that Earth is being studied by extraterrestrials. Again, that word they're using. And he made some intriguing comments uh, during an interview with the Russian, a Russian media outlet a few weeks ago. Um, and when he was asked about the, the chances of intelligent life being in the universe, he was very, very open to the idea. So, you know, things are still coming out. And the more they come out, the more the public is, you know, we, we know what's going on. The public is aware that there's a, a cover-up which is gradually uh, changing. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that um, that Russian, um, the head of the Russian space agency, said was he he suspected that Earth was being observed, and he thought and he thought that was a good thing. He was very open to that. I mean, one other thing, part where Russia kind of crops up in this whole UFO um, story is that sometimes people in the West, uh, you know, in the US, for example, uh, think that UFOs could be some sort of foreign government secret weapon. Uh, and, you know, Russia or China, if, you, if, you, if, they're, if they're US-based people, they, they tend to throw out um, the countries like Russia and China. But I think uh, it, it's, that is, to me, completely absurd uh, especially when we look at the fact that UFOs have been around for so long, uh, why Russia would choose to develop advanced technology um, from at least the 40s that has been publicly, you know, widely publicly kind of talked about. But as we know, it goes back centuries. Um, so it, it's a completely absurd kind of concept. But just this, um, just on the 13th of July, this month, the Wall Street Journal, of all places, the Wall Street Journal had an article about UFOs, and it was called Putin and the UFO Sightings. And mm-hmm. it, I think it just showed, you know, as we know, as Marsek the Six has said, you know, the financial institutions of the world, um, you know, are behind, uh, um, you know, some of these, the conspiracy to cover up. Uh, the truth of extraterrestrial life, and so um, I'm not I'm not saying the Wall Street Journal are, are a part of that, but you know they, they they've put an article out there saying Putin and the UFO sightings, and this article essentially says that um, that argument that yes UFOs may not be aliens, but they may be new weapon systems in countries such as Russia. So while the cracks in the dam of truth are starting to burst and truth is coming through in some places, there are still some people who are still 
desperately trying to hold this information back and, and sow these seeds of disinformation and untruth and, and, and coming back to that concept we talked earlier about, about UFOs being a threat. They're never going to win because the thing is that people yeah. keep seeing them. <laughs> people keep yeah. seeing them. And, uh, you know, when people see something right in front of their eyes, they're going to believe it. And this is what's happening right. all over the world. So they're never going to be able to put the lid on it. And things are coming out now. And um, it's, it's an impossibility. So it's, I think the next few years are going to be very, very interesting on that front. And I think we've That's right. actually covered We've covered the main countries that I'm aware of anyway, unless you know of any more, Julian, who are, uh, you know, researching, talking about this topic. Um, there was, there we... was one other thing I was going to mention also on the, um, uh, that I also just saw recently on the 12th of July, this was Bloomberg uh, reported on a, a there's now a, a, a tech startup um, that is um, being put in place. It's called Enigma Labs. Um, that's a play on the Enigma machine, I think, of the Second World War. But they they oh, are yeah. they are setting mm-hmm. up a thing to to track uh, to kind of keep track of UFO sightings globally, is what they hope to use artificial intelligence to kind of you know record as much of these things that are coming through. Because as you say, there there's just so many of them. If you go on a website like Reddit, for example, there's just there's a flood of these things. People are seeing lights in the sky all the time. I mean, sure, some of them are probably hoaxes and, and you know, mundane things, but there's definitely some of them are, you know, extraterrestrial in origin. And this uh, company is hoping to kind of start some sort of enormous repository where they can have all of this data coming into one place you know, at a, at a huge volume, and then they can use sort of high-tech uh, software and, uh, and artificial intelligence to kind of analyze them and find patterns and somehow uh, filter out the, the things that can be easily dismissed and, and get down to, the, to, you know, the truth, which is, you know, really exciting as well, I think. Yeah, that is interesting. It kind of reminds me of, and it's a bit different, but Dr. Roger Nelson, I think it was at Princeton, they had this massive study where um, they would have people around the world doing meditations, and they would measure the amount, the change in the, you know, the amount of energy, or the change in the energy during these times. And it, wouldn't it be interesting, it's just come to my mind, um, if they would measure a spiritual push time than outside the spiritual push times and see if they could find a difference. And on that note, Julian, um, let's now in the last sort of 10 minutes or so, let's talk about what the Assyria Society is doing on this topic because we are, we are the oldest, I believe, well, certainly we are the oldest UFO organization of its kind in the world. Um, we've been around for a long, long time. We don't just believe in UFOs. But we cooperate with them. And Nikki, in the break, mentioned uh, the satellite number three, which is now in orbit of Earth, and the spiritual push, as it's called, that we're now in. And I wondered if you might uh, explain to the listeners, Julian, uh, for those who are new, uh, what this means exactly. Yeah, well, a spiritual push is an extraordinary thing, really. And we talk a lot about satellite number three, and I think... The name of it is the most understated name of anything <laughs> ev- ever. 
um, yes. to call it satellite number three. It's it's the most humble kind of uh, name because it's it's number three because um, there were two other satellites um, in orbit of Earth um, that were referred to, and you are responsible. Um, the extract I was talking about earlier, and yeah, it comes into Earth and. The first one of these, of course, was in 1955, the first spiritual push of modern times, um, which itself implies that it's happened, or something similar at least, has happened in the past. And this craft comes into orbit, um, and you know it was reported in, in, in that, at that time that it was coming into orbit, 1,550 miles above Earth. It's an enormous spacecraft. The, the technology aboard it must be, uh, you know, we have absolutely no chance of even remotely kind of understanding how it works. The people on, the, 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 the cosmic masters operating it have spent uh, tens of thousands of years uh, preparing for their roles, training for them. And that is because what it's able to do, of course, is to potentize the karmic uh, effect of all spiritual actions by an incredible 3,000 times. And that's any unselfish spiritual action. And so how they do this, you know, we just have no idea. But it's obviously a very potent time, and, and praying is something that is very good to do every single day of the year. Every minute of the day is a good time to pray. But certainly during these times, if you the karmic uh, a reaction, uh, karma as we know is the law that says every action has an opposite and equal reaction so the karmic consequences of a prayer are just so much more potent during the times that satellite number three is in orbit of earth and it's here four times a year for around about a month or so each time as uh, Nikki mentioned it is currently in orbit and it will depart at midnight GMT on the 5th of August returning again on the 3rd of September. So uh, it's, it's invisible uh, and it has an it's incredible technology not only to potentize our spiritual action, but it has this ability to remain completely in, in, invisible to the naked eye, but even to radar, it, it, it can be, uh, it sort of has this ability to, uh, I think it absorbs radar uh, so that it's not reflected back. It's such a precisely... Uh, a configured craft and the people on board it are working during a spiritual push 20 there's people you know admittedly cosmic masters advanced intelligences but they are living entities and they are working 24 hours a day they're working right now as we're doing this uh, they are working to potentize the actions of people around the world you know there might be someone praying in Peru or, or in Scotland, who knows? And they are at this very moment potentizing their spiritual actions by a factor of 3,000 times. Uh, it, it's really, it's just mind-bogglingly incredible what they're doing. It really is. And of course, all spiritual actions, all selfless actions uh, that are being done, they're able to pinpoint people around the world. Amazing, yeah. And of course, we have to thank um, our master for that knowledge you know it would be happening anyway but being conscious that it's happening is a totally different thing and it's our master who brought about this uh, cooperation with the cosmic masters because of his own stature uh, as a cosmic master 
um, he was able to bring about not just our knowledge of satellite number three, but also other missions where we cooperate with the um, cosmic masses that you've heard about on a serious radio live. So, I mean, he is we have the fountainhead of this. He brought about this cooperation and taught us how to cooperate in the most potent way through the performance of the 12 blessings, for example. He not, and I remember in the early days, we didn't used to have dates. We didn't have these set dates that we have now. And it was very exciting because the master would receive a transmission that a, a spiritual push is going to come up now at these dates or an emergency period. And we'd send out these faxes around the firm, as he called it. And, but now, at uh, a certain time, they were obviously, now he's no longer with us. It had to be done this way. We gave set dates. So we can prepare for those. We can really, as, as Julian said, we always should be doing these things. But when we know that these times are on as they are now, then we can do even more consciously. I think it makes a huge difference. And there's one thing I want to say, as something that happened to me. And we used to, um, 80s and 90s, we did, especially the sort of 80s, actually, we did a lot of radio. And in England, they had masses of these little radio stations all over the world, all over the country. And there was one night when I went down to a radio station in Brighton, and it was probably about 1, 12 or 1 in the morning. It was quite early morning. And I remember the ethers were clear. I kind of remember the day. And the host was very open to... We were talking about UFOs, and it got onto the topic of, of satellite number three. And since we were in a spiritual push, I thought, well, why not get everybody to join in? And I thought, well, I wonder who's listening at this time. But apparently the host said a lot of people do listen. They, people work at nights and various things. So it has a, a kind of a, a loyal listenership. So we, did, we got everybody to raise their hands and, in prayer and, and join together with me in prayer, a prayer for peace, I think it was. And even the host joined in. And that was it, I thought. Well, this started a, a firestorm of interest. The next day, the station was inundated with phone calls about people who had a miraculous healings. Uh, they saw blue lights. There was one lady I remember. She said she hadn't been able to go out of the house. She had that disease where you can't leave the house. And now she was out of the house. She was cured. Wow. Um, and it was so, uh, there were so many calls that it made the front page of the local newspaper. So I'm not saying this is going to happen every time that we offer our prayers with satellite number three, but do know that these are miraculous times in which we're living. And so miracles are a kind of the order of the day. We may not know, you know who's been healed by the action of your prayer for a person, a healing prayer, but we do know that these kind of things are happening. I mean, these are advanced cosmic masters who are able to do the things that Julian mentioned and far more. And so, you know, we just have to take that step. We just have to raise our hands. We have to open our hearts. We have to lend a ha helping hand to people. We have to be as people should be on this planet. <laughs> and uh, when we do that, we will find these tremendously fantastic things can happen. So, uh, yeah, that was an amazing experience. I'll never forget it. Uh, it was really incredible. So I thought, Julian, that we could, um, we could get people to join together in a prayer and let's, uh, let's recreate this and uh, 
send out this energy, this spiritual energy, which, as we know, the world so desperately needs. And as Dr. King said, the biggest energy crisis in this world is the spiritual energy crisis, the lack of spiritual energy. And if we can change that, we can raise consciousness and we can solve all the problems that the world is now facing. It sounds simple. It sounds simplistic even, but it's not. It's the truth. So before we join in prayer, Julian, is there anything you'd like to um, add to that? <laughs> no, I, I think I couldn't have put it better, Chrissy. I, that was, uh, you know, it's a lovely story, um, those experiences in the past, and I, I wholeheartedly support everything you've said. I'm not sure what local paper will re- be reporting the successes of uh, today's efforts, but maybe it'll be online or spread around, um, but I'm sure there will be, because we know prayer works, so there must be some sort of positive consequence of, of what you're about to do. Yeah, and I thought since the world is in turmoil with so many awful things happening, then we, would, we should join in a prayer for uh, peace and harmony and healing. And so let us sit or stand or however you're comfortable um, joining in and do join in with us. Um, and then put, if you're sitting, put the feet flat on the floor and raise your hands in what we call the prayer mudra, and that is with the hands, palms facing outwards, about shoulder height, keeping the fingers and thumb together, not tight, but together, and allowing the love, which we will radiate through this prayer, to flow through your heart, through the palms of the hands, out to the world, performing its miracle. So let us now join mentally with this prayer. O Divine Father of all creation, we open our hearts and minds to you now in prayer and humbly request that peace may spread throughout the world. And may this radiant light of peace shine upon all countries and all peoples of our world now at this very moment we pray O god that this divine essence may fill the hearts of all peoples with love and compassion with charity and understanding may it flow to those involved in bringing peace harmony and healing to our world may their decisions and actions be imbued with clarity, wisdom, and love. O oh God, may we all unite in a common goal so that we may together see the dawning of a new era of lasting peace upon our world, carved through compassion and understanding, one with another. May thy will, almighty God, be done. Is closed by swiping the right hand palm over the left. We call it the mudra of detachment, detaching from the energy that you've sent out so that you can continue with your, with your other work. So, thank you so much. We have, is there any last words you'd like to say, Julian, in this last minute of the show? I think it's no, thank you, very much. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for that lovely prayer, Chrissy. And I think just bringing it back to the UFOs. I mean, the love and feeling that you had in that prayer, I mean, that's 
to an even greater level. That's what these UFOs and the beings uh, on them represent, and that's what they have for our world. So uh, they're certainly not a threat. They represent the very antithesis of that, and it's all positive. So thanks for having me on the show, Chrissy. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Julian. It's been great. Thank you, and lovely closing words. That's so true. Let's offer our love to these great cosmic ones who, let's face it, sacrifice so much of their time and their energy to come to our world without any, you know, no recognition, no appreciation. So let us be the ones who really appreciate them and thank them and offer them our love and our support. Thank you so much. And uh, goodbye to everybody. And thank you. Over back to Nikki for the closing words. Well, that was absolutely beautiful. Wonderful prayer, Chrissy. And thank you so much to you and Julian for an excellent and informative show. It really is an amazing what information we have. And that was a beautiful, beautiful outpouring of love for peace and harmony. Much has certainly been learned by us all about these latest developments. And thank you to you both once again for such a wonderful show. As mentioned earlier, Richard will be back and will join Chrissy for yet another exciting series radio live on August 16th with uh, the show entitled Service Leads to Kundalini Heaven. And if you would like to find out more about the facts mentioned in the show, please visit ethereus.org. You can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, with Chrissy through her website, astrologycity.com, and of course, Julian Rosser through ethereus.org. We really hope you enjoyed the show and benefited from the great in advice, wisdom, and love that came through tonight and thank you for listening and we look forward to your company next month Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.